The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome, Lawrence Chen, SVP of Innovation and Strategic Partnerships at Cubic. Hi, Lawrence. Hi, how's it going? Good, how about you? Really, really well. Thank you for having me. Sure. I'm glad that you made the time. I know it's a busy day for you at the Attribution Accelerator. Tell us a little bit about Cubic. First of all, I love the name. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, for, for everyone else on that's going to be listening to this, yes. uh, Cubic is a location intelligence company really focused in on data quality and persistent location data. Um, and so what we've basically done as a company is, is really found a way to scale the usage of persistent and accurate location data in a way that can be meaningful for many marketers as well as retailers to use for decisionings, everything from marketing to what their marketing mix looks like, uh, to actually attribution and the, the effectiveness of multiple channels in everything that they buy and sell within the marketing mix. The key word you keep bringing up is persistent. Yep. Uh, tell me why that's so important. It's super, super important. <laughs> so, so hypothetically, if you were to have, let's just say you're, you're inside a McDonald's, right? right. And what happens in the location data space is, is if you were to visualize a box, mm-hmm. and that box is, is a McDonald's, and you have one dot inside that McDonald's. Okay. Right? And that one dot is a representation of a location data point mm-hmm. within that McDonald's coming from, let's say, a mobile device. Most people will look at that and say, all right, awesome, SEMA was in a McDonald's, McDonald's right? And right. So my, my advertising uh-huh. drove somebody to that store and I'm going to say that that person went there. Okay. Right? The problem is, if that is the only dot you have, of course that's the analysis you're going to break down with. Right. But if you had persistent data, you could actually see that that one dot was not actually there for that long. Or there's a pathway to get, where, to, that to, get dot. to that dot, and that dot was only there for one second. Mm. And then the, the, the second later, it was actually somewhere else, and it was not inside that McDonald's anymore. Um, you know, our GPS phones have, mm-hmm. have many issues. I'm sure you guys have yes. seen it. Uh, <laughs> where, where you send the Uber to the wrong place, right. or like that type of stuff. So that's marred within location data all mm-hmm. over the place. And so when you have those types of signals, basically dictating whether or not somebody went somewhere, without that persistent context of where someone came from or where they spent time, it becomes really, really difficult to do actual meaningful attribution. And so when you have sparse amounts of data that's not persistent, mm-hmm. uh, you really can't do much with it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a guess that's not based on anything. You else. make you make estimates exactly. at, at best. At best. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times there's no context around that estimate, mm-hmm. right? And so while you're not always 100% right in terms of even with persistent data, you're, you're a lot more there and you're definitely closer to what probably happened. Um, an example we actually always use all the time is you know, if, if Lawrence goes to a movie theater, right? So I went there, and right. I was there. But let's just say I go for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Did I watch a movie? Fair point. Right? The right. answer's no, right? right? There's no way. Yeah. Uh, you clock me in at the same place, and there's two, three hours later, 
and the next time I'm, I'm in a McDonald's next door mm -hmm. you know, for 20 minutes after that, you kind of know exactly what I did, right? I went to go watch a movie, then went to go McDonald's afterwards. And that time context really creates a huge difference in terms of my understanding of what a consumer actually did versus what we saw from the location data. And so the, the, that's kind of the, the, the rub between what location data is and what actual visitation and consumer behaviors actually happen. And so the more data you have, the better of a guess you can come towards that. Sure. And the persistent data allows for a lot of that. Thank you. It's definitely an important point. I'm curious, how do you collect that data? Because from a consumer perspective, like you mentioned our phones, like it feels like a battery drain. It feels like, oh my gosh, what's happening to my phone? So what's the consumer experience as you collect that data? The consumer experience is actually pretty, pretty transparent okay. uh, for the most part. The idea behind how Cubic operates mm -hmm. is we work only directly with publishers and publishers are any type of mobile apps okay. that have, and this is a, a longer phrase, but yeah. it's really important to get it correct, that have persistent background location access okay. as a core function of the app, <laughs> uh, which is a meaningful way of saying, you know, unless there's a reason for the consumer to actually share their location data, or if the app doesn't have native location functionality, there's no point in sharing it. And, and so we focus in on the apps that have specifically that type of permission set. And why that's important is, is actually, I, used, I was actually talking to Yelp the other day. So Yelp is, is a good example. Right. right? They are very, very heavily location-based app. Okay. But there really is very little reason today from functionality perspective to give persistent background location for Yelp. Mm -hmm. And it's actually not something that they do. They actually, for most consumers, you only access the location data when you're using right. the Yelp app, right. right? So when we were talking about the persistence earlier, if you're trying to build an attribution model around it, so what happens is Yelp might only see me four or five times a month, and they have a maybe one to four minute duration of mm -hmm. like, while I'm searching for something, to actually capture where I am at any given time, right? So they're actually not a great platform right. to build it, even though they're a location-centric app, right? And so these are the distinctions that, that we have in terms of what the, the rigor that we need mm -hmm. to have for us to actually build and, and partner with apps that have that persistent access. So a good example of that is, uh, we can publicly say this more <laughs> now, is, a, is an example of a Gas Buddy. Okay. It's a crowdsourced gas app. Yep. They send coupons for, for whenever you, know, you want coffee or anything like that. They also tell you the best gas prices are available. And so the idea behind that is if you are persistently sharing your, your data, they can send you relevant information at any given time when you're close to certain places, right? And so there's values to the consumer mm -hmm. that the app brings. In addition to that, we've actually worked pretty closely with GasBuddy uh, during a lot of these hurricanes, which actually just recently happened like right. yesterday. Yes. And so what happens is we'll actually send data in conjunction with, with, with GasBuddy to help them basically send out messaging to people to tell people wait times in certain places, things like that, so that they can figure out because if you're out of fuel or whatever yeah. that is, like you need to know where you can go to, to right. get stuff. To prevent those long lines or gas shortages and everything else. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so it's that type of value and the, those types of opportunities that we use to partner with people. And then so that, that's kind of one step in terms of like kind of qualifying a type of, of, of apps that we work with. Secondarily, what we typically do is, is, is work on a, a pretty heavy privacy framework okay. to make sure that the opt-ins from consumers are relatively transparent. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially kind of looking at the GDPR function mm -hmm. out of the EU and really looking at that really closely and seeing how far we are from that as, yeah. as let's say, the unwanted standard, something we still have to all go through. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, that, that standard allows us to have a, a sense of, of where I think even the U.S. is going eventually 
you know, it's probably going to be somewhere between what we have now and what, what, what's available in Europe. And being able to take that stance and, and making sure that our entire user flow and consent flow really adheres to a lot of those, those privacy limitations and, and opportunities. Yeah. And anyway, so what happens is Cubic embeds our SDK, our software development mm-hmm. kit, into these apps that have persistent access. We inform the users that you know we're going to be using the data for analytics, mm-hmm. attribution, uh, and potentially uh, any other uses for advertising. And then from there, the advertiser, oh, sorry, the uh, the consumer can opt in and out based on uh, several factors. It could be everything in the privacy policy that's in the app itself. They can actually opt out of Cubic altogether mm-hmm. in general. So there's a lot of different opt-out mechanisms, but but for us, the, the main thing is is both informed consent and also having an ability for, for people to opt out even when they, when they don't want to. And so we've been working with a lot of industry trade groups, including the IAB and several others, to make sure that, that we are compliant. And, and besides being compliant, we actually want to really be at the forefront the, and leading that yeah. before I think things... You have know, to react to something exactly. versus be more proactive. I'm, I'm not going to name any names, yeah. but you know, there are, in our opinions, bad actors sure. where there is no way to actually give out informed consent mm-hmm. and there is no way to actually opt out. And a lot of the, that data is being used in the location space today. And, and you know, from, from, from where I'm sitting, you know, we, we feel like that's going to eventually go away. And we actually hope it does because yeah. we're, we're, we're doing a lot to make sure that the consumers have, can basically take back their data. So tell me, what's the advantage for consumers to... Mm-hmm be opted into this? So the advantage for consumers in general, it's very kind of similar to the advertising mm-hmm. idea, right? It's, it's you have all this content that's available to you, right? Um, and it needs to be somehow monetized, right? right? And so for the consumer, transparently, it, it's all about kind of getting much more tailored advertising, okay. analytics and things like that about your experiences on specific apps and things like that. But Cubic does have a, a, a much more inherent plug into the apps that we work with. So kind of going back, back to the sure. example, we also have several other um, major apps that do the same thing. It's all leading back to advertising mm-hmm. tailored experiences. But what we do is, you know, it's, it's not just data that's housed within Cubic. We actually give that data back to a lot of the apps that we work with. Mm-hmm. And so we process it for them. We make sure that, that there is an understanding of their consumers. Uh, and then they can start tailoring and understanding their consumers a lot better too. So, for, so a good example is, you know, hypothetically, if, if you're working with a brand, let's say Starbucks, right. and for whatever reason, these guys go to the gas station all the time, they could potentially be consuming coffee, but never go to a Starbucks, right? You would never see that without location-based data. Yep. And so being able to understand that, you know, at, at Starbucks, you might be able to offer coupons and things like that to the consumer that they didn't have before. Or uh, on the flip side, if they are a loyal Starbucks consumer, right, Starbucks might want to know that, right? right? And, and, and I'm working with this, this app anyway to buy media, I might as well give them relevant, you know, either messaging or, or advertising. So I'd say that the, the, the inherent kind of ask uh, or really kind of uh, value to the consumer is, is really in kind of these tailored ad experiences as we work with kind of the publishers that they engage with anyway. But for the most part, you know, the it, it's not very different than kind of the value add that the rest of the ad ecosystem yeah. brings to the table. That makes sense though. It sounds like you're, you're you know, you are helping the publishers create a better consumer experience for their their users. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely do. Now we definitely do that, and, right. and you know, from our publishers, we've actually learned that pretty substantially. Sure. I, know I talked about the, the the hurricane example. Right. I mean, that's yeah, which that's is powerful. Great. Yeah, it's super powerful, and and kind of even going to the core business mm-hmm. objectives. You know, the the idea that that there's just some things I just don't know about my consumers. Mm-hmm. Now that I do. 
that you know I, I I don't know like personally for me this is this is definitely a personal thing and people can definitely disagree I hate getting ads that are not relevant to me because I'm gonna see them anyway right right and yeah. that's how I view it and you know, or sometimes I'll get an ad and say really this is the ad you think I wanted to see exactly right <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 transparently like like Instagram for whatever reason knows everything that I love right um, I bought so many random things from the most random, random. brands because yeah. of Instagram. Uh, but that relevant targeting is exactly yeah. what I feel, right? Yeah. I never feel like it's, it's irrelevant. And so if I don't feel like it's irrelevant, it, it resonates. Right. And so those there's those, value there. There's value yeah. there. As, and, and, you know, I've actually bought a lot of products that like a brand advocate today. But yeah. uh, there's some brands that I really, really have loved just because of, of advertising. And without it, I don't think I would have ever found them. That's interesting. So tell us a little bit about how Cubic fits in the attribution space. So Cubic has traditionally been working with digital and mobile-based uh, ad exposures. Okay. Uh, so what that ultimately means is, is anything they're running on a website or a mobile app, we've been measuring to figure out the effectiveness of driving specific placements. So mm -hmm. whether or not it's creative A versus creative B, whether it's a video format, uh, and, and optimizing visitation data against that. Okay. So what's powerful against it is, is when you're looking at kind of attribution in general, mm -hmm. Attribution, for the most part, and most of the companies at Attribution Accelerator today have been working with this online data asset. Right? right. Where it's clicks, it's site visits, it's requests a quote. Those are the metrics that, that people typically measure against. And so this is actually the first time in a really long time mm -hmm. where you can actually link digital and mobile-based advertising to actual real-world events. Got it. And that's at scale. And the reason it's at scale is because visitation data is actually very different than transactional data, mm -hmm. right? Uh, transactional data is typically housed and owned by specific companies, mm -hmm. and so being able to link the two is, has been very, very difficult. And so having kind of a, a third-party agnostic ecosystem allows us to look at all the ad exposures within digital and mobile and really link it to these offline events. And, and at the end of the day, why this is so powerful is even though we hear the, the advent of, not even advent, mm -hmm. the, the overtaking uh, of shopping by e-commerce platforms like Amazon and, and whoever else. Right. The latest stat from the census is still 92% of tr transactions still take place in the real world. Yeah. Right, and, and that stat is something that I feel like a lot of people know but ignore. So Amazon's still fighting for about eight to 10%. That is actually really problems. interesting because when you see all these boxes <coughs> being delivered in neighborhoods and apartments, you just automatically assume that it's taking over the world. It, it's huge. Yeah. But it, it's 10% of commerce right. in, in the United States today, which is not insignificant yeah. by any means. Of course. And it's, but it's predominantly owned by, mm -hmm. I'd say, one company. Yeah. Right? And so because of that, the other 90% is still really freaking important. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're probably not going to end up ordering a car online. Sure. You're probably not going to end up eating at McDonald's by ordering online. Right. It's, it's in-store purchase, mm -hmm. right? And so it's it's those types of things that... that we really help illuminate that really don't exist. And, and it's really hard for, for a McDonald's, for yeah. example, to go in and, and have 10 years of online metrics going like, we're doing a really great job because people are clicking on this specific video. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they care about the, the visits to the stores mm -hmm. because I I'd assume, I, I don't know the actual number, yeah. but I would assume probably 99% of the people going to McDonald's are not browsing doing window shopping right, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like they go there for a purpose and that's to get a big mac yeah. right and so you know it's, it's that type of where we fit into the attribution space it's really 
taking the, the online metrics that I think were important before and definitely important for, for e-commerce-based brands sure. and being able to funnel that and using those metrics for brick and mortar stores. And we've done that traditionally in the digital mobile space, like I said earlier. What's really interesting is we're actually using the mobile location data for out-of-home placements as well. And so out-of-home placements are basically anything that you can see outside, so everything from right. bus shelters, the billboards. And um, I joke about this, but it's not untrue. It's it's a medium that's been in place for literally thousands of years yeah. for advertising purposes, and there's been no way to measure it, mm. right? You just have no idea that someone's right. on ad somewhere, yeah. right? But now mobile location data and, and the persistent data, which is important, right. allows us to actually understand whether or not someone's passing by certain billboards at certain times, or driving by specific highways mm-hmm. at certain times, and that allows you to see, oh, there was a McDonald's mm-hmm. ad at that time, and then eventually link that to visitation events. Got right? it. That's it's 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 super mm-hmm. cutting edge. Even people within out of home are just starting to mm-hmm. learn about it, and then so we we've kind of been at the forefront of a lot of that, and then we also have a uh, an impetus on on kind of working with TV and radio as well as even actually mailers because there's actually certain routes that, that people that post post people. Um, <laughs> take 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 the take the mail and we know exactly kind of what's being given to interesting and so there's a lot of applications that yeah. we're kind of just scratching the surface of i actually um, think the the non-digital mediums so interesting they are interesting and i think they're getting more heightened attention because there's so much noise digitally yep. so when you do get the catalog i mean i'm sampled one but i actually look at it now because i i'm getting less and so it's it, it piques my interest. It's super effective. Yeah. And going back to anecdotal stuff, uh, you know, I don't think there's any other medium of advertising that works on me besides Instagram. Right. Um, besides out of home. Yeah. Like for me personally, like that's how I know when a show premieres. Mm-hmm. That's when I know specific, what is actually most effective are these digital companies that are putting ads in my subway. Yes. Because uh, you're standing there looking. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> and I, they have like three, five, three, you know, three minutes, at least three yeah, minutes, yeah. but almost like 10 minutes of my attention at uh, any given time. Undivided. It's really it's interesting. interesting. Measuring that is, is, is stuff that we're, we're doing pretty significantly. So you are, just to clarify, you are a data company. Yep. Um, are, you, are you doing the an- analytics as well, or are you partnering with other companies? to do Both, actually. Okay. So, so because we are a data company, we have both the data side of the business, which is empowering companies. Uh, you know, one of our, our, our uh, partners is, is Cantar Miller Brown, yep. who's a very, very traditional research company. And we help them. You know, they have a lot of attitudinal-based studies, but they realize that augmenting something that's a little more behavioral yeah. and kind of real-world-based mm-hmm. is important. And so, you know, they're one of our partners in, 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 in facilitating kind of research analytics on both attitudinal-based studies and behavioral studies in the real world coming together. Fantastic. So we, we do facilitate that. We do have our own analytics mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and this is what typically, if, if you're not using a research company or traditional research mm-hmm. company like Hampshire Miller Brown, and you just want something very specific, right? right? Did my store, or did my advertising drive people to stores? Right. You know, we have a universe that, that's relatively large compared to most panels, mm-hmm. about 60 million monthly active people. 60 million? 60 million monthly. Wow. Yeah, so relatively large yes. uh, in the research <laughs> base. And being able to, to take that data and, and kind of crunch whether or not something's effective in market right. is, is ultimately what we've been able to do. And so the, uh, the analytics behind it is, is super interesting. And then even more importantly, so this outside of attribution, but it fits into the attribution right. space. We actually have a, an analytics tool uh-huh. that we also have and uh, I don't know how else to describe it but basically how I would look at it is it's, it's a decisioning platform okay right and and what happens a lot and it's what's interesting is when you talk to retailers mm-hmm. right? hypothetically if they have a great CRM program if they have a great loyalty program and they can track a lot about the people that go to their stores right well they have no idea 
is when someone goes somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? And, and where they came from and how they got there, where they live. And they only know that experience, their own. one experience, right. and only if they transact. Right. You know, how many times are people going to my people, store right. and not buying anything, yeah. right? That's really important to know. Yeah. Or hypothetically, I might have an amazing customer and, and, I'm, and I'm a retail, I'm retailer A, yeah. and I have someone that goes to my store three times a month and buys, you know, let's say something $10 every single, every single time. What's completely unknown to me is they actually go to my competitor six times a month and their basket size $50, mm -hmm. right? So how do I capture more of that? Got it. Is, uh, is interesting and there's no way for them to mm -hmm. do that. So you need, you require analytics platforms like ours uh, and kind of the advanced analytics that we provide to understand loyalty and churn users and people that are, that are potentially going to churn um, there's a lot of AI and predictive analytics that we also do on, on, on behalf of the advertisers we use for analytics purposes so that they can understand as people kind of move out, mm -hmm. you know, move around, whether or not like someone's not been coming to my store for like the last 30 days. Right. This is bad, right? Yeah. And then they, they can't see that. Mm -hmm. So it's that type of stuff that, that it's we It's powerful, do. very yeah, powerful. Blockchain. Oh, no. <laughs> Does it impact your business? Is there an opportunity there for you in the location space? <laughs> Not only huge, but also completely, utterly irrelevant today. Irrelevant. Um, irrelevant today. Okay. Not, not, not to say that it's not. Everybody should be looking at it. Everyone should be working on it. Everyone should have an, uh, an idea around sure. what it is. Um, the, the my my my. It's it's pre early days. Right. For for blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, from a from an executional perspective, which is why I'm saying it's irrelevant. But the actual technology itself is going to change practically everything we know about how data works right. and what the value to consumers are. Um, and, and, you know, when, when, when you're asking me that question about what's the value to the consumers, mm -hmm. right, I think blockchain and, and kind of the visibility and, and data transparency and as well as data privacy and protections it affords consumers becomes really, really powerful. Right. Right. And so there's just not enough going on. Like right now, blockchain is, is in my opinion, still a buzzword. Mm -hmm. It's going to quickly not be. Right? right. There's opinions about it. There's things that we want to do about it. There's ideas around it, but the main thing is, is about being able to get industry standards around it, and that's going to take a while, which is why like it's irrelevant today, but it's not going to be for long. And and really from a kind of core corporate perspective, Cubic's idea around privacy and data transparency is really really high. Like we built it as as you know as we built a backend basically privacy by design. Okay. Everything we do is has been hedged against that for years. It Smart. Hasn't, has it has hasn't borne fruit, but I right. think blockchain will allow that to bear even more fruit. You know, right now it's it's something we do to make ourselves safe. Right. Almost like an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. But in the future I think it's going to be a currency mm -hmm. of some sort, right? Or a de facto standard that if you don't do this and you don't do this and you're not privacy X and we're starting to see that with GDPR right. already it's table stakes, right? And, and so putting yourself in a position against that through blockchain technology or anything else should be super interesting. It'll be interesting. Interesting yeah. times. Yeah. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank and you for having me. Sure. And look forward to keeping in touch. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold. 
Be brave and be fearless.